We've spent most of the offseason talking about which hitters the Mariners could land via trade, but what about more help in the rotation? Let's talk about it here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. This is Tiny Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. Today's show is all about pitching. We're going to highlight a few starters the Mariners could target via the trade market, but first, got to wish my wonderful co-host, Colby Patnode, a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, pal. Yeah. Uh, thank you for waiting until we were recording to tell me that instead of reaching out all this morning via text or DM or telling me when we were doing our little private pregame uh, show. No, you waited until we were on camera recording before you told me happy oh. birthday. Just mm-hmm. so the world would think you're a good person. Well, I'm not here to allow that, Ty. So thank you. But I know that you just did that as self-preservation. You don't actually care. So let's do the birthday show. And Ty, you, uh, you guys can tell Ty what a great person he is for remembering my birthday, even though That's I true. remember his and our anniversary. So yeah. <laughs> anyways. Listen. We're all about capturing real moments here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. I wasn't going to fake it. I wasn't going to tell you happy birthday multiple times, you know, mm-hmm. behind the camera and then, you know, say it again like it's the first time on here. I wanted it to be authentic. Uh, is this take one of this show then? Is, is that what you're telling me? Moving on. So That's what I thought. <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> the uh, Before we get into specific targets for the Mariners, Mm -hmm. let me just ask you this. With the way that this market has fallen, there were already very few top-end pitchers that hit the free agent market. Those guys are gone now. We're in the middle tier to the bottom of the barrel at this point in the pitching market. That is at least one would assume that that is going to make the trade market even more expensive considering the lack of talent that was there in the first place and the lack of talent that is there now in the free agent market. So should the Mariners actually be involved in the trade market considering that they do have four, what I think would be fair to call them above average starters along with, you know, a couple of, solid options at number five with uh, Chris Flex and Marco Gonzalez. Should they actually be involved in this market knowing how expensive it might get considering where they are right now in the rotation? Yes. It, I mean, you have to get better, right? And and the way to get better is, you know, either to score more runs or prevent more runs. Um, I think the Mayors have done a pretty good job of, of, you know, putting out an offense that should score more runs. Uh, but they need to prevent more, and and you know the best way to do that is pitching. So, uh, the only high price guy that's still out there is Rodon. We know they're not going to go after Rodon. Uh, he's probably going to get two hundred million dollars. So, uh, and you kind of start looking around at what's left on the on the market after that. There's some interesting guys. Evaldi is, is interesting, but he certainly carries risk, and there's a draft pick attached to him. Um, and you know after that, there's a lot of number four, number fives um, who aren't 
obvious upgrades. So I think you have to start looking at the the pitching market. Um, we know Jerry wants to make trades. Um, we know that Justin Hollander had said that the the trade market was really slow last week, and it looks like it's finally starting to kick up a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the Mariners are going to be active in the trade market. Um, kind of a tough needle to thread. They don't have just overwhelming prospects that they can just throw a team after team and, and just really build a super rotation, but they do have enough that they can be involved in pretty much any conversation for a starting pitcher that we assume is available this winter. And, and there are a few options that are going to be honestly relatively cheap that are upgrades over Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez. So, uh, yeah, I think they, I think they should be involved. Um, you know, we, we still don't know if Sango was a special case, but we know they were interested in him. So we have to assume on some level they are interested in upgrading their rotation. It's just how much are they willing to spend um, on the pitcher when they're still looking to add a couple of bats. Right. So let's start at the top of the market with the guy that I think most would say is the best available or at least a guy that could be had. Uh, pitcher that's you know on the market right now, that's Pablo Lopez. Uh, former Mariner, of course. He was uh, traded from the Mariners to the uh, Marlins in uh, the David Phelps deal? I think so. David Phelps still? Yeah. That didn't particularly work out well for the Mariners. Uh, Lopez has been quietly one of the better pitchers in all of baseball, uh, particularly the last season, but he doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm. He's had some injury history, uh, but... Uh, the Marlins have had talks about him for, geez, I don't know, the last year and a half, it seems. There's been rumors about Pablo Lopez in the trade market. So at some point, you got to figure that this is going to happen. Uh, but again, he might be the best relatively available starter on the market right now. So that's going to cost quite a bit. Do the Mariners have enough to go out and get Pablo Lopez, Colby? Yeah, this is kind of about fit. Uh, how you fit with the Marlins in terms of trade costs, because I think you're going to have to get a little creative here. You might have to <clears throat> aim for a little more bulk than, than uh, you know, a true headliner in this deal. But I do think the Mariners and the Marlins, I think they fit okay as, as trade partners here. Uh, you get two years of Lopez. Um, he's not as good as Luis Castillo, but I think that's roughly the, the area the, the Marlins would be looking for. But, Marlins are a little bit different than than Cincinnati. They have different needs, obviously, and they're also in kind of a different place. The Marlins, they don't want to rebuild, but they're not quite. They're in a really tough division, so it, you're you're kind of in this weird space with the Marlins. But uh, you know, when I factor in everything, uh, we do know that they're open to trading Pablo Lopez. They've said as much. They're open to trading anybody except for Sandy Alcantara. So mm. uh, I, I do think they could do it. It's going to be tough, and again, there's always the. It's kind of the Brian Reynolds thing, right? Like, well, yeah, they could probably afford to put out a, a really good package, but somebody can't outbid them and probably will. So uh, I think they could, though. I, I think there's a way that they can make it work. Um, I would just say it's it's pretty unlikely. So we talked a lot about Brian Reynolds as well, mm -hmm. who I think you and I would both also classify as unlikely considering the high price uh, and considering where the Mariners farm system is at right now with all the graduations that they've had. Uh, they've naturally taken a step or two back as a farm system, you know, and that's a good thing at the end of the day. But what about Reynolds' teammate, JT Brubaker? Uh, we've talked about him quite a bit. Uh, last three, you know, he's only pitched for three seasons. 
Uh, he's still a relatively young guy at 29 years old. Uh, doesn't have a ton of you know ar- or innings on his arm. Um, 144 innings pitched this past season, 28 games, uh, 469 ERA, 392 FIP. He was worth 1.9 F4, which was um, a career high for him. 9.19 Ks per nine, 338 walks per nine. Uh, so what do you think about Brubaker? Again, you know, he's 29 years old. He hasn't reached 30 just yet, uh, and he actually just turned 29 as of last month. Uh, he still has multiple years of uh, club control, um, but he's also he hasn't performed that well. So what would it actually take to get someone like Brubaker, who we know that the Pirates like? Yeah, um, Brubaker is a guy who you're you're betting on. Essentially, you're betting that your your pitching uh, development can get something out of him that the Pirates haven't been able to. And honestly, you look at the Pirates' track record with pitching, that's not a bad bet to make. They're not particularly skilled uh, at you know getting the most out of their starters. <laughs> Garrett Cole, um, <laughs> Charlie Morton. Um, but um, yeah, I think Brook Baker's probably available uh, because he's three years. It's going to cost a little, but the numbers right there, that that's a number from her five. That that's Chris Flexen, right? So the only difference between him and Flexen really is that he's a little bit cheaper and he's got more club control. So and probably a little more upside. So, so, so going yeah, so going off of that, right? Why trade for someone that's basically in that Chris Flexen realm when you have two guys who are in that realm? Right. You're you're chasing upside is what you're looking for because what Chris Flexen is and Marco Gonzalez too is their number fives. Period. End of story. Brew Baker has an, has enough stuff and enough uh you know quality underlying numbers that he could be a, a really good four, maybe even a three. So that's kind of what you're banking on if you're going after Brew Baker. But I do think he's available. Um, I don't think he's going to cost a ton. I, I I think you know discussions probably start with Emerson Hancock, um, which is not you know as as painful as it would have sounded a year ago. Um, I, I really don't think it's going to cost a ton. So. Yes, I'm interested in Brew Baker. Um, I'd like to do a little better, a little, a little more, uh, a little more realized potential than Brew Baker, but there is still potential there. Um, and I, I do think that's an arm the Mariners like. Uh, just a gut call. I don't, I don't know anybody in that front office, but I just, I watch Brew Baker pitch, and I say I think this is probably a guy the Mariners would have For sure. interest in trying to fix. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a few more trade targets, uh, pitching trade targets on the way, including uh, a player that the Mariners were trying to land last offseason and even during uh, the regular season this past year. Uh, We'll get to that in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by betonline.net betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and world cup we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can even find those at betonline as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more betonline is where the game starts you're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Let's get back into these trade targets on the pitching market with uh, which one should we do here? Let's do Carlos Carrasco. Carlos Carrasco 
veteran starter, 35 years old, uh, joined the Mets last season or uh, two seasons ago, actually, had a rough first season with the uh, with the Mets, wasn't able to stay healthy, uh, and then was able to stay healthy for the most part this past year. Uh, he started 29 games, 152 innings pitched. Uh, he struck out exactly a batter per nine innings uh, pitched, uh, or sorry, nine batters per nine innings pitched, uh, two, four, three walks per nine, three, nine, seven ERA, three, five, three FIP, three, four, five XFIP, 2.4 F4. And the Mets, Colby, have already added a couple of starters this offseason after losing Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander being one of them, Jose Quintana, another one, and then uh, Kodai Singa most recently. So, uh, Carrasco, I believe, still slots in or projects to slot in as, as the Mets' number five, but could you foresee them uh, potentially parting ways with him? Yeah, I, I don't think the Mets are done. I, I think they're also sniffing around Rodon um, as well. I don't think it's likely, but it's it's certainly not something we can dismiss. And the Mets do have some other pitching that they can they can turn to in now, their number five spot. Do you spot. think that the Mets are being used by agents right now? And we're kind of going off on a this is going to go off in a little bit of a tangent here. But do you think that the Mets are kind of being used right now? Because like last night we saw the report yeah. about them being interested in Correa, and then like not even three hours later the Giants signed Correa. Yeah, I mean if they were smart, <laughs> yes, the agents would use the Mets because yeah, you can basically say the Mets are interested in anybody, and it would make sense. So. Um, because we know that they don't care about luxury tax and things like that. So um, specifically on Carrasco, though, I do think he's an upgrade from Flexen. Um, he has one year left. He's 35 years old. He's making $14 million. The money doesn't mean anything to the Mets, but it does mean uh, something to the team that would be acquiring Carrasco. So if you're the Mariners, um, I think Carrasco is a worthwhile uh, you know, guy to look at. Uh, he actually excelled at getting guys to chase pitches outside the strike zone. 94th percentile in chase rate, um, 65th percentile in whiff, 72nd percentile in walk. So throw strikes, but he gets guys to swing outside of the zone, uh, which helps the, uh, the strikeout numbers. Um, for stuff that's, it's not great. You know, it's not overpowering stuff. It's a 93 mile an hour fastball. Um, it, it, it's Carrasco is not what he was in Cleveland. And that's to be expected. He's an older guy, right? but, I think specifically what you're looking for if you're if you're trying to deal with the Mets is if you can't help them at the major league level, which maybe Seattle could give them a reliever for Carrasco, but eh, uh, then I think what you're looking for is upside. I think you're looking for upside play if you're the Mets because you don't want like Cade Marlowe, who's a major leaguer, because you're going to go buy somebody better than Cade Marlowe. You want somebody who has high upside a couple years away so it doesn't inter- interfere with the 40-man or anything like that. I think something like Juan Pinto for Carlos Carrasco is is pretty interesting deal, um, just because you know Pinto does have upside. I'm a big fan of Juan Pinto, but he's three four years away uh, mm-hmm. from the big leagues, and Carrasco could help you right now. So I'm I'm interested in Carlos Carrasco. Wouldn't be the sexiest thing, but he's got two really good breaking balls uh, or off speed pitches, I should say, and, and the the numbers last year pretty darn good. Now, considering that the Mariners had remarkable health in their rotation, does it mm-hmm. concern you at all adding someone that hasn't been able to stay on the mound for the most part as of late? No. Because I still haven't traded Chris Flexen. True. Or Marco. True. So, no. I'm fine. All right. Uh, next up on our list here, Frankie Montes. The Mariners mm-hmm. tried to land Frankie Montes when he was still with the A's a couple of times. 
Um, and there were some things that, that came out about potentially an AL West tax and all that stuff and whatever. Uh, they tried to get him uh, at the deadline, ended up by landing Luis Castillo, of course, which that worked out pretty well for the Mariners and not so much for the Yankees, who did acquire Montes after he uh, was dealing with a shoulder injury and then uh, that flared up once again. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, later on in the year, and he wasn't able to pitch a ton for the Yankees, and when he did, he was not that good. Uh, 144 in, uh, in a third innings pitched, 885 Ks per nine, 268 walks per nine, 405 ERA, 378 FIP, uh, 2 F4 and 27 starts for Montes last year. Uh, he's got a year left of com- uh, club control, so he's a rental. Um, so... Yankees aren't really, you know, uh, one to dump a ton of payroll or give up on a guy right after they landed him, all that stuff. But he wasn't very good for them. There's reports that they're in on Carlos Rodon. They are clearly looking to upgrade their rotation. They obviously lost Jamison Tyone as well. But could Montes be on the move just a few months after being acquired by New York? I think it's possible. Um, I would say unlikely, uh, even if the, the, even if the Yankees land Rodon, uh, Montes would still pretty comfortably be the number five. Um, and there's, uh, there is enough, um, there's enough upside in Montes that I could see the Yankees rolling with him to begin with. And then if they have to make a change, they will, uh, they still have some, some interesting arms who are, you know, majorly quality, um, in their system. So I, I don't think it's likely, uh, it ha- would have to be for significantly less than what the Yankees paid. Uh, just because again, Montes did struggle. He does have kind of a shoulder thing that we heard about. Um, and he only has one year left instead of a year and a half. So, I, I think what, what would be interesting, and I'm not saying the Mariners should do this or would offer this or are interested in this, but I think when you kind of look at what the Yankees need, they need they need outfield help, and they need a left-handed hitter in that lineup. Jared Kelnick for Frankie Montes. Six years of Jared Kelnick for one year of Montes. I mean, that's not a great deal for the Mariners unless you think Kelnick is bad, which maybe they do. Um, but I think Kelnick's swing, even even the gross one he's using right now, plays pretty well in Yankee Stadium. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe that's something that they could look at. But ultimately, I think I think the Yankees are just going to roll with Montes as their five to start the year, and then they might make a change mid midstream if they have to. But um, you know, the Yankees they did they did jump ship on on Sonny Gray, right? So they, they've done it before. Now I think they gave Gray a year and a half before they dumped him, but. I would say it's possible, but not likely. I just think that to get the Yankees to move on from Montes right now, it's going to take mm-hmm. uh, more than uh, the Mariners should be willing to pay for a guy who carries that much risk. Um, yeah. But like, I'll, I'd say this. I, I think the best prospect I'd be willing to give up in a Montes trade package probably Emerson Hancock. And I know a lot of people hear that name and they go, wow, that's that's big. For me, Hancock is outside my top five Mariner prospects. I'll just let that count out of the bag right now. So he's he's taking steps back. So uh, I think that's an interesting offer. But I, I think ultimately if the Yankees did decide to move him, and I don't think they will, they're mm-hmm. going to move him for a left-handed bat, like Montes for Ian Happ or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, I need to see Montes pitch before I, I trade for him. I which need means to make you're sure not that, getting him. Which means that I'm not getting him. Yeah, I just right. there's too much risk involved there for me uh, with the uh, with the shoulders. Just you know, flared up twice on him this past year. Mm-hmm. That's not like I'm not trading Emerson Hancock when that's a possibility for for one year of that guy. Um, like the upside, there's 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 legitimate upside in Montes, but I just I have no clue if he's healthy if, or not. If you get first half Frankie Montes from last year. Robbie Ray is legitimately your worst pitcher. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I, I don't know like, if I'm going to get that. That's a significant. No, risk. but I just how it, it significant? Like, is it really significant if you're trading Emerson Hancock, who right now is a number number four, number five starting prospect? All right, that's a little bit. Low. All right, I don't want to get into this whole conversation about Emerson Hancock. Now, that's Hancock a, will that, be the most debated player when we do our we, prospect we'll, we'll, ranks. We'll talk next about year. that on another show. We'll talk about that on another show. But yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just there's, I I'd rather go get someone that that I actually know is healthy, <laughs> personally. You don't know anybody's healthy. It's true. It's a good point. All right, uh, let's talk about another team that we uh, we talked about. I think last week when we were doing our under the radar trade partners, that's the White Sox. I have no idea what the hell they're doing <laughs> this off season. Uh, their roster is still incredibly poorly uh, constructed, um, and they have a couple of starters that I think could move in a deal uh, fairly surprisingly because I don't think really anyone's talking about them right now. But it makes sense. Lucas Giolito only has a year left of club control. He's coming off of an awful year, but he's also you know been at a point in his career not very too very long ago where he was you know pushing for Cy Young votes um Lance Lynn sorry Colby say so didn't he win the Cy Young I don't think he won the Cy did he win the Cy Young in 2020 I, I know Abreu won the MVP in 2020 I don't know right if, I don't know if Gio I think he got he must have gotten like second or third place but whatever yeah. anyways um all right so then Lance Lynn is the other one He's got two years left of club control, and it's very affordable relative to what Lance Lim brings to the table and relative to what other guys are getting on the market right now. I believe he's making $19 million a year over the next two years. Um, could be wrong on that, but uh, he dealt with some injuries this past season, uh, but he was able to, uh, to come back and through 121 and two-thirds innings over 21 starts, 9.17 Ks per nine, 1.41 walks per nine, 3.99 ERA, 3.82 FIP, uh, 1.9 F4. Uh, and just a year ago, 157 innings pitched, 10 Ks per nine, 2.58 walks per nine, 2.69 ERA, 3.32 FIP. And, you know, the White Sox right now, they're in a weird spot, and I, I kind of feel like they might want to start offloading some payroll here. And I think you could potentially i'm not saying you can just steal lance lynn from the white Sox, but i think you, you can get a real bargain on lance lynn if you're willing to take on that money which you should be more than willing to do uh given the the payroll flexibility that you should have uh that's looking at you john stanton uh and um yeah, I don't think it would actually cost a ton to to get lynn in terms of prospect capital uh, what do you think about trading for Len? And then I'll ask you about Giolito in just a moment. Uh, so Len is a guy I, I'd be pretty interested in. Um, again, it, it kind of comes down to 
where are the White Sox at? Where do they think they stand a chance at? Um, I think the White Sox probably think that they can compete this year. I don't see it. That roster is so poorly constructed. It's they lost Jose Abreu. I I think the White Sox should look at kind of a soft reboot. Um, and so you know you build around Anderson and Cease and Jimenez and and Robert. So they don't have to just like dump everybody. But mm-hmm. I do think they should start to unload some of these bigger contracts. And we have heard that you know they're listening on guys like Liam Hendricks, who is a guy yeah. you probably don't trade if you think you can win the World Series. So I think Lynn is interesting. I would be in. I would be very interested in in, in Lance Lynn. Um, I don't know. I don't know like what the the trade cost is for a guy like Lynn. Like you say, he's got two years left, but he's missed some time the last two years. Um, you know, he's an older he's an older arm as well. Uh, he's not going to be like Pablo Lopez. Like he's not going to cost that much, but he's still going to cost quite a bit. Like you're not going to, you're not going to salary. They're not going to salary dump him. They're going to get something for Lance Lynn. Right. Um, what can they get for Lance Lynn? I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think Jared Kelnick would be pretty they interesting need athletic to them. Outfielders. Uh, right. I think Kelnick and Trammell would be pretty interesting to them. Um, I, I, again, you probably want, they probably want more than that, more certainty. So I think you're probably, I, I mean, I don't know. Would you do something like, Hypothetically, would you do something like Flexen, Kelnick, and Ford for Lance Lynn? Two years in Lance Lynn? Uh, Ford's a little... Flexen just there to kind of even out the salaries yeah, yeah. a little bit. I kind of feel like Marco makes sense here for Chicago. Yeah, he's got two years. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with, with the White Sox is, is that they they play in the, I think the second biggest media market in the country, right. and yet they still act like a mid market team. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to. We we have evidence of that. They have not been linked to a single major free agent this year, um, or ever. <laughs> really, I think the biggest contract they've given out is still the Yasmani Grandal contract from a few years ago. So mm-hmm. this is not a team that just had. Well, they have unlimited money, but they're not going to spend it like they do. So yeah, the the money here is going to come into play a little bit. I think so. But I, I, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, mm. I, I tr- I'd like to do the deal without giving up Harry Ford, but I'm not. Is that possible? I'm not saying no to it though, either. Well, I mean, we did see somebody throw out uh, a trade involving Lynn, or I guess it was Giolito. Um, uh, I don't know if I want to disclose it here. It's behind a paywall, so probably shouldn't do that. But um, the idea is basically, though, that you know there are some contracts that are expensive enough that they could lower the cost of the acquiring team. Mm-hmm. Like, could the Mariners get Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks? Right. I mean that that's Hendricks is due. I think twenty eight million dollars, thirty million dollars, essentially. If you trade for him, there's a clause in his contract that kicks in. Uh, so that's thirty million dollars for two years of a reliever. Lynn is going to make you know twenty million dollars over the next two years. So you're looking at fifty million dollars over the next two years. I, I think if you give them some cash, you give them maybe you you add Marco or Flexen to kind of even out the money a little bit, and then you give them some bulk young athletic prospects or, or young major leaguers. I think that's something that could appeal to Chicago, and that's why I do think that they would be interested in, in Jared Kelnick and Taylor Trammell and. That's why I threw Harry Ford out there, young athletic prospect. Um, I I think they would probably like somebody like, you know, athletic who's closer to the big leagues or has 
major league track record of success at the big leagues. The Mariners just don't really have that. Mm. So uh, I think Glenn would be really interesting and I think they could afford him. It's just a matter of finding the right pieces. Um, but I, I do think the White Sox and the Mariners actually match up pretty, pretty well for, for a trade. Agreed. Particularly for the, for their pitching. Yeah. So Giolito, I mentioned mm-hmm. that he had a, a pretty rough year last year and now that's by his standards. He was actually not that bad when you get into the numbers. 161 and two-thirds innings pitch over 30 starts, 985 Ks per nine, 340 walks per nine, 490 ERA, uh, but a 406 FIP with a 366 XFIP, uh, 1.8 F4. Uh, but again, he's uh, he's just got one year left of club control, uh, and he just hasn't really, I don't know, he hasn't been able to consistently be that guy, that top of the rotation guy. And... Um, I believe there was a report last off season or maybe during this season that they were trying to work on an extension and they were just really far apart on it and all this stuff. So um, there might be a little bit of a tension between the two sides, between the organization and the player. I kind of feel like Giolito ends up going in a deal somewhere, whether it's to Seattle or somewhere else. I think that ends up being one of the surprise deals this off season maybe within the next month or so that like Lucas Giolito, you just wake up and Jeff Passons tweeted that Lucas Giolito has been traded somewhere. Uh, I think that would surprise a lot of folks, but uh, I don't know. You look, you look at the situation, you look at the year that he's coming off. I think he's a prime candidate to get dealt and for the White Sox to take advantage of some remaining value that he has left. And maybe they let it rock into the regular season and try to, you know, get him back on track and take advantage, you know, at the deadline. But uh, Giolito for me makes a lot of sense for the Mariners because I think they can. I mean, if you know anyone could get him back on track, it would be the Mariners and their pitching development uh, staff. So, uh, what do you think about Giolito? What do you think that would cost? Um, what do you think about the fit in general? So it's one year of Giolito. Um, yeah. I think he's going to make what twelve million bucks or something like that. Um, I believe so. I'll double check on that. Though. It's like I said, it's not a, it's not an insignificant amount, but it's not like a prohibitive amount for the White Sox. So you're kind of in this weird spot with him uh, because it's one year and it's not he's not coming off of a good year. But the three previous years, he was very good. It, you're, it's kind of tough to judge the market here. Again, I still think that the same guys who make sense for uh, Lynn make sense here because obviously it's the same team. Uh, but I think you can eliminate like the Harry Ford. I, I think he's out of the conversation because it's one year mm-hmm. of Giolito. I, I still think something like, you know, could you do, could you maybe do something like Kelnick, uh, Kelnick, Flexen, uh, maybe that first round pick that you can trade? Maybe. Maybe get that involved. And then you get like Giolito and like, Kendall Graveman or Giolito and uh, Aaron Bummer, somebody like that, uh, where you kind of you get two you get two for one. You you help the White Sox shed some salary, but they also get a uh, still a promising young bat who fits that ballpark and and fits their needs really well. They get kind of a number five, a solid number five starter to replace Giolito in the rotation, and they get not only an extra draft pick but the bonus pool money that goes with it. Uh, I think that's something that might appeal to them. It Mm kind of depends on how they feel about Giolito bouncing back, though. Yeah, and I would I would do that. I would love to take the uh, the chance on on Giolito. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, Giolito so trade one G- year of Kelnick for Giolito. G- Giolito hasn't had 
multiple shoulder injuries pop up over the course of a calendar year. Sure about that? Over the course of a sure calendar that, year. Over the course of this past calendar year. I seem year. to remember that Luis, I, I think Lucas Giolito's had Tom John before, so like. Yeah, but not sure about like that, within guy? the last calendar year. We sure about that? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's interesting. You know, I offer Kelnick Vermont straight up and you're like, no, never. And then Giolito, who had a worse year last year. I'm throwing out the first round pick. And, I was and talking Kalnick about Hancock, by the way. And you're like, with no, regards to Montes, never. I said so no to just, Hancock. That's interesting. That's I interesting. Said no that's to Hancock. No, whatever. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Nope. Mm. Play back the tape because I know you're not going to. <laughs> but uh, someone will. No, someone. I, someone will let me know that I'm wrong. Sure, I'm yeah. a liar. All that stuff in the in the comments. That's, you that's know, they, that one they guy keeps to. calling me a liar because I was wrong about Robbie Ray starting over George Kirby. <laughs> He'll, he'll look it up because apparently sure. he's got nothing better to do with his time. Um, being wrong isn't the same as lying. I, I thought we learned that in kindergarten, but okay, I guess not. Um, anyways, thanks for commenting. It's good for the algorithm. By the uh, way, Giolito mm-hmm. was only 0.2 F or worse than Frankie Montes last year. I'm sorry. Do you say better or worse? I said worse. I said oh, worse. you did. Whoa, worse. what? What? <laughs> No, uh, Giulio would be would be fine. Like I, I think that's a worthwhile risk to take. Again, it's just a matter with all of these pitchers of being smart about what it costs. Because if you roll into next year and flexing or Marco is your number five, it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. It just I think eventually that's something you're going to have to fix at the deadline if you want to have a real shot at winning the World Series. Yeah. So it might be easier to do it now. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned you know Graveman and Bummer as well because it's not just Hendricks. There's a, quite a few relievers there in Chicago that I think fit for the Mariners as well that no, I, I would think, love to see them get in on here. Right, I think Graveman's making nine million this year. I think Bummer's making seven or something yeah. like that. Like, and it, we know that if they acquired Graveman, like the clubhouse would be happy about that. So, <laughs> you guys want to get Kyle Seager out of retirement? <laughs> I don't, but I know there, I know there there are some people on uh, Mariners Twitter though, like yeah, bring Seager back. Oh God! We probably just started a whole thing. Now. Those people are those people are called idiots. <laughs> Bye. We probably just started a whole thing now. Now though, people are going to be on Twitter like, "Man, what if we could get Kyle Seager out of retirement?" I know how to use the block button. I'm fine. <laughs> Bring it on. All right, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast, and happy birthday to Colby Patnett once again. Look at Ty, such a good person. For the birthday boy, I'm Ty Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.